Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you? Doing well? That's good. Hey, what a good time to be in church, hey? It's a pretty exciting season that we're in as a church and just not even only here at Highlands, but across the world. Is I, I, I think that we are, as the church and as Highlands, in this era of expansion, uh, this era of moving forward, of seeing God's kingdom continually expanding, continuing to press forward into areas that it might not have gone to before. And there might be a little bit of pruning, there might be a little bit of pain, and I think that it's a little bit of preparation for the things that are to come the things that God, God wants to usher in and the, the people that He wants to bring into the church across the whole world, as well as here, that we are in this era of expansion. And, and I don't want to just say that on behalf of churches that exist, but the people that are the church. You, we need to grab hold of this for ourselves, that we are in an era where God is expanding us, that God is, is taking us from what we are and what we've become and saying, no, no, I'm going to prepare. It might be a bit of pruning. It might be a little bit painful. It might be, need some growth pains. But trust me, the trunk is getting bigger so it can carry more trees, uh, more leaves. Yeah? Come on, we are in this era and it's uncomfortable. You look around at the world at the moment, you don't have to look far to go, isn't there a bit of opposition? Well, yes, there is, but it's because we are in this era of expansion. And I think all through Christian history, all through the Bible, all through modern history, you see that when there is a bit of opposition against the church, it's when she's at her most beautiful. It's when she's at her strongest. It's, at, it's the time where, where she starts to, to really flourish in all the things because all of a sudden, all that we say and all that we sing and all that we believe, the rubber hits the road of, is this true? And we, we stick it down and go, yeah, you know what? I do have faith in Jesus. It gets real again. All of a sudden we go, you know what? God is expanding me into someone stronger and bolder and more courageous. And I think that in this season, as a church here at Highlands and as Christians, you might think that, that your part in God's kingdom is unconsequential and insignificant and all those things. But come on, it, it is necessary that we as the church are bold in this era that we are courageous in this era, that we live and walk by faith in this era. I think that we're coming to the close of comfortable Christianity and maybe stepping into just Christianity. I was challenged the other day. I was going to say, I was thinking not to share it, but you've got me riled up. So... (laughs) I was so challenged, I was reading something and just, you know how you're reading something and you're enjoying it and it's pleasant and you're learning and all of a sudden something jumps out of the page and slaps you and you go, man, I wish I didn't read that because now I can't unlearn it. But he said, hey, the comment was, I think too many people have forgotten that the symbol of Christianity is a cross, not a couch. And I think that we're going to come back to there's joy in the cross and that there is glory in the cross and that there is actually more peace found carrying the cross than sitting on the couch. That there is more that God wants to do with a cross on our back than us sitting in a couch. 
So it's in this era that we find ourselves in church that I believe it's time for us to be courageous. That to be what Jesus said in, in what was it, Matthew uh, 5, verse 14, that, that we would actually be the light of the world. This is a great opportunity, isn't it? I think a lot of us spend time going, have you seen what's going on in the world? Which should be followed by, we have an opportunity to be the light. Rather than we're just a little bit brighter than the kind of dim light around there, all of a sudden it's darkness and Jesus is saying, this is why you need to be light. Something that can't be hidden, something that does stand out, something that all of a sudden everyone goes, hang on, there is a difference about you. Whether they like it or not, there is a marker that should be on us that goes, there is some stark opposition, there is difference between those who are in Christ and those who are, who are not. There's, it shouldn't be this blurred line of, I wish everyone kind of looked like us, but believed what they want. But no, we are marked with Jesus. There is a distinct thing that all of a sudden, it's no, they are light. When we are courageous, when we are people filled with faith, when we're taking leaps and bounds of faith, for those that we don't even know yet and might never meet. I love the story that Ben shared is that the people that have probably impacted his life the most, he has probably never met. Because without them, this wouldn't be here. Without them, the church wouldn't exist. Without their faithfulness, it may be closed 30 years ago. Who, who knows the lives that went into hearing that story? And I love the statement that we stand on the shoulders of giants and I can't help but think, I wonder what kind of shoulders the future generation are standing on. This is our opportunity. This is our era of expansion for those in 40 years' time to say, you know what, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, not we're picking the church up from where it fell off. We are called to be light, to be bold and courageous, to be people who push forward towards the vision. See, the moment we as Christians start to settle with our current experience of faith, it's when we abandon the need for Jesus for others, for this generation and the others. When we settle and go, you know what, I'm happy with where I'm at. We see it all the time. I've grown up in church. You see it all the time is, is I'm happy with just what we've got. Please don't change anything. You put more chairs out. They're going, now, now how can I sit at the back? I used to sit here, but now the back is back there. And he says, conflicted, because that's always been my chair. <laughs> you know that? Did you know that you could just upset someone by sitting in their chair? <laughs> things you learn, hey? But that was always my chair, but that's my corner. Like, you change things, or you go, oh, I found my six friends now. I, I was once lonely, now I connected into the body of Christ, and I've got my six friends. And you go, hey, we're going to, to create room for more. It's like, no, 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 I found them. I, I'm, I'm finished. I've settled with my current experience, which means we abandon the need of this generation and the next to find Jesus. When we go, hey, I'm happy here with this church. Why do we need another one? Why do we need another service? Why do we need these things? Why, why does the church... I got challenged a couple of years ago of going, do we really need a church in higher fields? I said, oh, Jesus, you can take that up with God if you want. I think that he wants to see people out there come to know him. I had a bit of a stern conversation with a friend who is also a pastor of a significant church in Australia, and he was telling me, I think that is just a waste of time planting churches outside of capital cities. And I let him know my opinions on that comment. <laughs> I'm going, well, I, I, look, I think that Jesus might disagree, saying that they might need him as well as those who live in desirable locations. Just, if it doesn't have a beach, doesn't mean that they don't need Jesus, Yeah. 
Everyone in ministry, you feel called to Noosa, but Jesus sends us sometimes out somewhere else. It's kind of, we, we walk by faith, we expand our faith, we expand our vision, we expand our worship, and when we do this, I believe that we'll see the kingdom of God expand throughout our region, our city, but also in our own lives. I said, this isn't just about how do we grow the organization, the body of Christ. It's, uh, we are still the body of Christ. How do we expand ourselves? How is God wanting to expand us into who he wants us and created us to be, not just who we've become? And we're going through this era of expansion, which is, it requires faith. And this morning, I just want to start looking at uh, the message that God gave to the people of Israel through a man named Isaiah. And uh, it's Isaiah 54, it begins this way, it says, Sing, barren woman, you who have never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than, uh, of, uh, than of her <clears throat> who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back, but lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. See, here we find God speaking to Israel as, if, uh, as a woman who hasn't had kids yet. This is the way that he's speaking to her. But God isn't saying, and I want you to pick this up for yourself as well this morning, church, is that, that no matter what your circumstances have been or currently are, no matter what your history kind of looks like or, or setbacks that you're facing or what you've even decided to settle on, God is saying it's time to get a different expectation for the future. Is that this is, what, oh, this is what I'm feeling right now. I feel that, that, as I said, we're feeling the oppression, the pushback against the world. No, we're time to get a different expectation. God's saying, cast the curtains wide open. Not shut them down and batten down the hatches and let's get through and survive and see if we can just last them out. You know, God will get them in the end. <laughs> no, cast the curtains open wide. Stretch out the tent pegs. Come on, this is time to prepare. Get a different expectation for what is coming. And for your own life, I wonder what that would look like of what it would look like to have this faith in God saying, hey, I don't see the provision yet. I don't see that anything is happening. In fact, I still feel that this is, oh, I'm rather hopeless. I feel God is saying to us again, come on, it is time to have a different expectation for what is to come. Regardless of the setbacks, get a different expectation. What, what could God do through someone who is willing and open? What could God do through a people like us if we had a different expectation? Because for me, I still believe that the best days for you are ahead of you. I believe that the best days for the church are ahead of us. I believe the best days for those who follow Jesus are still to come. And it might look different to what the last few decades have looked like. But when we are with Jesus, come on, it's, He is leading us forward into better days, into better things. I believe it for you. I believe it for the church. I just don't think that he's looking for a church and, a, and a, a person who is shying away, but those who are bold, those who are willing to be courageous about their faith and going, oh, I have a different expectation. I have the willingness to move in a direction that seems ridiculous right now. I said, it's not just here comes the dreamers, but here come those who are going to act on their God visions. Here come those who have such a compelling dream from God that they actually put the steps in. That's what God is saying to the people here of Israel in verse 2. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Don't hold back, but lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. 
Why would you do that if you didn't have a different expectation? You go, sorry, my, my one-bedroom kind of studio tent lord is enough. I don't have any need for expansion. I don't have any feeling of that I need to move there. I don't, there's nothing immediate that shows me that you're doing anything, so why would I create this? But God is saying, hey, no, no, it doesn't matter about your circumstances. It matters about your faith. It matters about what you anticipate God can and will do. Focusing on, on what are you expecting? What is the expectation that we, we have on God? So he, he's not saying here to the barren woman or to, to Israel, and he's not saying to us that find room to put a cot in the corner. He's saying start building an eight-bedroom like, mansion. Move the tempest. Don't spare any. Don't have any left over. But, but how far do you believe God would move? It's such a challenge for, for the people of Israel at the moment who were just a bunch of whingers. Not going through a great time, but they definitely let God know about it. But didn't, ha- didn't believe that he was going to do anything. And here is the message of going, prepare for what you believe is coming. And they got to determine, and, and taking this metaphor, this prophecy, we get to determine how far out does the tent peg go? Well, how, how far can God move? What is God able to do? What is my expectation when I said I had a God dream? Is it God-ish? How far are we going to throw the tent pegs out, church? And with your own life, I want you to think about that. Those things that you've just shelved that dream because it looks unachievable, that, that you, you, you were praying fervently in one area to see a breakthrough, to see a miracle, and all of a sudden those prayers have kind of just dwindled back to going, well, God, I just want to, whatever you want, and... You know, we go so vague, we wouldn't even know if God answered it or not. We get the chance that we put the tent pegs nearby and achievable and small and doable in my own realm, or do we throw the tent pegs out wide and say, God, I'm believing that you are who you say that you are. You are my provider. You are my redeemer. You are my healer. You are the one who brings breakthrough, that you saved me, that beginning and the end, the Lord of lords, you are the king of all kings and Ten pegs are going out wide. That's as a church is what I have some pushback with people who say what we do is silly. Is I'm just like, well, we'll just put our tent pegs out a bit wider. I think that we might be believing too small. Let's throw those tent pegs out a little. That's why I like this every year. As much as we say this is about generosity, this season is much more about faith. And I pray that we use this season as an opportunity to say, hey, it's time to, wherever we drop down the tent peg before, I think, after 12 months, we realize it probably deserves to go out a little bit further. Now I'm going to back God in just a little bit more. Even before the provision comes, this is what was interesting. God didn't say, hey, in nine months' time, guess what's happening? He just said, come on, if you have faith, you'll, you'll, you'll just see. You'll, you'll have to wait to see. Even before, I said it last year, that faith acts before it sees. Constantly, faith acts before it sees. We don't sit back and wait to go, well, God, you make the first move. For us, he already has, right? Well, we don't go, well, Lord, if, if you provide, then I'll do this. Lord, if, if you heal, then I'll pray for it. Like, everything is faith acts before it sees. That's what prayer is. We pray before the miracle, anticipating and having the expectation that it will happen. Otherwise, what's the point of praying? Praying. 
Come on, we give before we've seen the provision because we believe, we know what is coming when we put our lives in the hands of God. We can rejoice during the suffering because we know that there is purpose in the pain and God's not going to waste any of this moment. We can praise God. This is why I say it every week. Any chance I get the time with a microphone is that we praise before we've seen the breakthrough. Because we have such faith and confidence that what is to come is far greater than the situation that I'm in. We're stretching the tent pegs out. We're acting before we see the miracle. Why? Well, because faith always acts before it sees. Otherwise, it's not faith. It's just reactive. Faith acts before it sees. It has to. See, I'm confident that God's not looking for the skeptical wait and see kind of church. He's not looking for a, a person and a people to bless who are the wait and sees. I'll just, we'll see how this pans out. We'll just see how that plays out. No, but people who go, you know what? That's what God has promised us. We're taking the land. Let's move forward. Come on, God has promised breakthrough, that he has promised these healings, that he's promised provision and, and prosperity. He's promised, yeah, that there will be tough times, but that he will be with us and we'll go through it. Oh, we're looking, I believe he's looking for a church who will be courageous, who will be people who walk by faith and not by sight or wait and see. See, this is the kind of promises that he gives to us. Hey, in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, he says, in the area of generosity, he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower. Notice who he's supplying seed to. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And when it comes down to it, well, generosity requires faith, doesn't it? In every area, in every way, that they, in every way possible to show generosity, I think it requires faith. One pastor whose books I read a bit of, it says this, it might actually be the best way to gauge how strong our faith is. I'm glad he said it. It might be a great way to gauge actually how strong our faith is because it has this comment to it of saying, do I believe enough to make sacrifices because I believe that I'm not really losing as much as I have and I will continue to gain in Christ? When we are generous, do we have that faith of going, you know, like, oh, no, I'm not going to look at my circumstance. I'm going to keep the tent pegs here and here in a nice tight perimeter. But no, we have faith to go, no, no, stretch the tent pegs out because I know what God can do. I know what he's capable of. I know that he can provide. I know that he blesses. I know that I'll see breakthrough. Not, not I'll cast them out wide and I'll be super generous and now God has to. No, separate those two things. I have faith and I am generous. I have faith for things and I am generous. I'm not intertwining these things of going, I have given, therefore I deserve something back. No, it's I have faith in all things. Faith acts before it sees because it knows what's coming. It's not wishful. Faith is confident. confidence. Hebrews talks about how faith is, is confidence. That's why we can act on it now. That's why we grab hold of our vision and we start making progress and moves towards it. That's why we don't well, keep our eyes down. It says, oh, barren woman, oh, desolate woman. Jeez, what a strong start, hey? How uplifting. But we don't focus on just that. We keep our eyes up going, you know what God can and will do for us. We're going to believe. We're going to walk and move in faith. For my lifetime in church, this has always been a struggle for me. 
It's been a struggle for a lot. I think that this is one of the areas that if it were to be a reasonable gauge of our faith levels, this is, I think, where maybe modern Christians have struggled. In fact, I got a letter from our compassion child's um, mum. She's too little to write. And she's just there giving such praise to God. And I keep thinking, wow. With the lack that she's in, she feels that she's in abundance. And not once was it ever related to the materials that were purchased for them. It was always in, in what goodness that God has sowed into their life and how he's healing the child and how there's breakthrough happening in the village and how people are coming to know Jesus. And she's so abundantly grateful. But in that as well, revealing the opportunity she has had to be generous to others. I go, oh. Sometimes it's a struggle for us to let go of things, isn't it? And here I've got someone who has what I would deem nothing and willing just freely going, God has given so much. How could I hold it all together? But one of the challenges that I think is that, that we are excellent at believing all of God's promises and struggle with a lot of these promises. It's as if we say, God, I, I'm willing to trust you with my eternal soul, but not my temporary possessions. I think we need to align this up and close this gap, church. Going just as much as our, our body, all these things are temporary, so are the things that he's given us to steward. Anyway, that's, that one's not going to make me friends. But this isn't new, this kind of fear and struggle in this area. is not new. The Bible's got plenty about it, particularly in the book of Luke. And in Luke 19, we find this story. Actually, there's two really close instances, Luke 19 and, and just a few verses before it in Luke 18. But I'm going to read from Luke 19. It's a story that you'll likely know. Uh, from verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. <clears throat> he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I want to stay at your house today. Look how bold is that, just inviting yourself for dinner. So he came down at once and, and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. <coughs> he was gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give um, half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today uh, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, old Zach here, he might have been a wee little man, uh, but he was at the time kingpin of kind of the region's tax collector mafia. <laughs> he was filthy rich little guy as well, and it wasn't all honest money. But he was quite wealthy in comparison to everybody else. But see, when he had met Jesus, everything had changed. Not only his heart, but his hands. It wasn't just a, hey, Lord, I trust you with my eternal soul, but, wow, I want to respond with well, whatever I can. Everything changed. His, it wasn't just that he, he had said a prayer and then got back to business. But all of a sudden, there was something inter internal. There was something, his attitude, that his expectation, his revelation of Jesus and who he was to him had an effect on how he practically started to live. And it had an immediate response of generosity. 
had an immediate response in this way. But as I said, only a few verses later in Luke 18, we see that Jesus also encountered another wealthy man that we like to call the rich young ruler. But it was his great possessions that were the primary barrier that he found to following Jesus. See, both of their generosity revealed their faith. Both of their expressions, both of what they were willing to lay before God or to let go of or to just loosen their grip and go, God, whatever. If it stays in my hand, fantastic. If it's out of it, well, great. But both of their responses kind of revealed where they were at with Jesus, didn't it? The one commentary that, that I have, I read through a fair bit, notes the differences here, saying this. He says, How we handle our money and our possession had so much to do with how we orient ourselves on Jesus. The rich young ruler chose his wealth over action-based faith in Jesus. But Zacchaeus, meeting his Lord and his Saviour, loosened his hold while on all material possessions. I think it's, personally, I think it might be better stated that his encounter with Jesus loosened the hold possessions had on him. As he was willing to go, oh, loosened. It wasn't just throwing it at the wall and seeing what happens. It's not being bad stewards. It's not being reckless. It's just, Lord, I'm willing. What do I have? I have a car. How can I use that for your glory? Lord, I, in my home, I have, can I be hospitable? In the words, how can I be generous with those things? How can I loosen the grip? And how can I, rather than bringing the tent pegs in, how can I cast it out wide and have an expectation for a different future, what he could do in and through us? See, through the, the Gospel of Luke in particular, there's a very clear theology on generosity. And it's this, that, that generosity in every form that it comes in is a sign of the transformed life. Whatever that looks like, it is, this, it is one of the markers. That's why we say it is a value as us, of ours as Highlanders, but also of Christians. It is a marker of those who have had their lives transformed. It is someone who lives by faith. See, there, there is really no such thing as, I think, as a Christian Scrooge. <laughs> we have those moments, yeah? I, I feel I flip into a Scrooge every now and then with my attitude and my crankiness, and I've got these kind of cranky lines on my head that I blame my dad for. We flip and flop over these things, but when we encounter Jesus, there is that change of our attitude. There's a change in our joy, in how we view God, in how, how we live in His presence. Something so freeing and something so peaceful. And, and oh, we have moments where we step out of that camp, but come on, this is, this is the encounter with Jesus that we have. It has an internal and eternal change, but it also has an effect on how we choose to live on how we see circumstances, how we see other people. It is a mark of ours. It's, it's as if we're saying my life is not my own and my things are not my own. I'm just a steward. Everything that I have, this iPad was ripped, all the materials out of God's earth to make it. It's all His. I'm blessed beyond measure in every way. And spiritually, I've been given every spiritual blessing, Paul says in Ephesians. Every spiritual blessing in heaven has been given already out of His abundance of gifts. I like what Paul says in Romans 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So in view of all that He has done and all that He is, in view of that, to offer ourselves, as our lives, as a living sacrifice. 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We all love the next verse, and that's one of my favorites as well. But how do we offer ourselves? How do we live by faith in a way that going it isn't just well throw it at the wall and recklessly just cast everything at God, but but just loosen. See, those who walk by faith just walk more loosely with their things, loosely with their next day. We know that, well, God's given me today and He's giving, He might give me tomorrow. He gives me this breath, Lord. How can I hold it loosely? How could I use this best for you? How could I move courageously and boldly forward? Maybe you do feel like, well, I, I might be a Christian Scrooge. How do I move forward? How do I, how do I get better at this? And can I tell you that the way forward isn't guilt giving? The way forward isn't guilt prayer. The way forward isn't tick the box and, well, I'll just do it and then, then that'll fix all of that. No, but it is, as Zacchaeus did, is encountering Jesus. is moving closer to Him, of pursuing Him, of praying, God, would you, would you do something? Continue to work in my heart. I'm not there yet. See, it's not a line that we cross. It's the journey that we're going on. That's why every year I feel that I've, God challenges me with the tent peg going, Doug, move it out a little bit further now. I go, oh, it was such a stretch last year. He's like, no, no, we'll put it out a bit further. I go, oh, of course. You, I have a new expectation. I have a new vision. When we encounter Jesus, pray and seek Him, get into His Word, let it, the Holy Spirit reveal who He is and what He wants to do and what He can do in a life transformed. We need to believe for greater things and be believing and praying constantly for other people to come to know Jesus. Get our eyes onto other people. I'm always challenged with the faith thought of if God answered all your prayers, would your world change or would the world change? I pray it's both. I pray it's both things, that we have prayers so big that when they're answered, other people's lives are transformed, that people start to come to know Jesus and you go, whoa, I've been praying for that. Not, oh, I'm glad someone did. (laughs) Come on, we want our lives and the world to change. I'm convinced, church, that as we expand our vision, as we expand our faith, as we expand our action, that we will continue to see God's goodness. As we expand the tent pegs in preparation. You know, if you're a small group leader, as you expand your expectation, those tent pegs for your small group, here on Sunday, as you're praying on your way in, that you're casting those tent pegs out while believing for God to speak, believing for God to, to save people. Come as we expand in our worship, and expanding churches planted. Come on, we will see that God's faithfulness over and over and over again. It's not time for us to shrink back and shy away, but to be bold and move forward, that we could be the light for the world. I'll finish with this. Galatians 6 verse 9, Paul says to his church, he says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Church, I believe it wholeheartedly that we are still in this era of expansion. And God is looking for a people who will follow Him boldly, will follow Him courageously, might might be willing to pick up their cross and get off their couch, but to say, you know what, I'm, I'm in this. I've got skin in the game, God. We're going to see my life expand and we're going to see your kingdom continue to grow. In Jesus' name, let me pray for you, church. Father, I thank you that your vision for our lives and your vision for the church in this city and broader than this city, all across the world, Lord, it is, it's far greater than the vision we have for ourselves. And I just pray that you would reveal that to us, that you would give us a glimpse 
those dreams, that, that picture of who you want us, who you created us to become, Lord, it, it would be far more blessed, far greater, Lord, far stronger, more confident, it would completely transform life. Lord, I pray that you give us that picture that we have something to move towards and move forward to. Lord, help us expand our, our own vision, help us expand in our faith. Lord, being willing to act even before we see the miracle, being, being willing to praise before we see the breakthrough. Lord, that we would be faithful with our generosity in, in every form here through, through what we give into your kingdom. Lord, but in every area of our life as well, let us expand, be extravagant in how generous we are with all that we have, that we hold loosely. Our words, our time, our possessions, our homes, our cars, whatever it might be, we hold it loosely, Lord. Lord, we know that, that you are faithful. And we want to see your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, all through us and all through this city. Lord, give us that picture. As we're in this moment of worship, maybe you've never asked God into your life personally. You might know of Jesus. You might have been brought up in church or in a Christian home. But you yourself, you don't know him. You don't have that personal relationship. And, and there is a difference, I believe, of just knowing about God and knowing him personally about hearing about Jesus and following Him closely. And I want to give you the opportunity this morning that if you've never made that decision to say, God, I want to know you and I want to follow what you have for me, I want to give you that chance this morning as a private decision, just between you and Him. And as a way we do that here, and I believe that as every relationship with God begins is with the prayer of saying, God, I want to know you. So if that's you this morning, you want to make that decision, maybe for the first time or you go, no, I need to make this choice again. I just love you to raise your hand in the air real quick as an outward sign of this inward decision of saying, God, I want to know you. Come into my life. God, I want to know you. Help me. Transform me. Touch my life. If that's you this morning. Great. Fantastic. I'll give you one more moment. Awesome. Well, Lord, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Lord, for all the here who have made this decision before, Lord, I pray that you continue to stir our faith up, that we will expand as, as followers of yours, that in the days, the weeks, the months to come, that, that we as your church will continue to make disciples to see more and more people come to know you as your kingdom expands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.